But we're just going to look at, um, oh, the Lord will help me, and uh, which is good, because I mean, I know it's uh, just us here this morning, but uh, oh, many places you see in the scriptures, oh, you find it's just God talking to one individual, so we're right at home here. We're just going to uh, enjoy the fact that uh, <clears throat> these things are written to us. But anyway, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and if you will, go down there to verse uh, 16. In Hebrews 4 and verse 16, and <clears throat> he says, uh, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, there, there's too much here just to say he just knows how you feel, and, uh, you know, and it's just good to know that God's with you, and... Uh, and a sort of a pat on the back. That's not what he said at the least bit. Uh, the very fact that you would come boldly to the throne of grace, in other words, he's inviting you to come boldly, means that uh, <clears throat> you know you might have something on your heart you might need. And let's don't uh, think you won't get any help. Let's think the opposite. Let's just come boldly. And notice it's called the throne of grace. Now, I'm a big Alabama fan, and if it's got an Alabama A on it, I know they're talking about the University of Alabama. This one here is identified not with a big A for Alabama, but it's called the throne of grace. I mean, we should get this, a big G on there or whatever. It, it's known for I'm allowed to come in there, and he doesn't mean be cocky or nothing, but we can be so afraid of uh, I might as well not ask and, and I don't know if God's ever going to do this or not and whatever. And we just need to be bold about it and know that, praise the Lord, I will get help. And I think a lot of times what's helped me is the book of Psalms, if you'll start reading 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, it doesn't take but a few minutes to already be up to the fourth Psalm. They're so short. And they're all David talking himself to the Lord. And he's really quite bold. But as you know in the Bible about God, I mean, he's there to help you, and we should be. We should be as bold as David was. David would approach the Lord and say, now, look, I know I've made some mistakes, but uh, I'm looking for your mercy, Because, and then he went right into whatever the problem was. I have this problem over here, and i got to have some help, and uh, and according to the book of Psalms, he would get it, you know. Uh, so let's go a little further now in that, in that verse in Hebrews 4, verse 16. So come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. So there it is again. You're going to receive mercy. It's not, well, I sure hope he will. No. The Bible says, uh, it's another psalm of David. and He said, let Israel say his mercy endures forever. It says, let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever. <laughs> and then he would say, let all those who love the Lord say his mercy endures forever. Now, why would you want to say that? Well, Mercy implies that kind of like when somebody's on your back and maybe as a uh, youngster when I was playing, we always knew, I don't know where you got it from, it was always passed down, but it was uncle, you know, okay, uncle, uncle, you know, you say the right thing and they let you up, you know. Uh, uh, well, it's the right thing. We say mercy, and, and Psalm 118, I believe, is where that is, and it says, let them say his mercy endures forever. And so... Uh, if you say his mercy endures forever, if you think about those words, that means mercy couldn't have quit yesterday and it's, and it's not here today for me. It is here for you and I today. So we come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And then here we go, back to that first word, grace, and find grace 
to help in time of need. Now, grace, he's not, I know a lot of times we think a Hallmark card, I like to say it, you know, and, and basically our God can't do any more than uh, the Muslim God. That's ridiculous. Mercy sakes alive. Uh, Jesus is no comparison to uh, Islam. I mean, that's, that's supposed to be our message. Uh, people follow you around, and, and, and like Jesus told one fellow that wanted to follow him, Jesus said, no, don't follow me. I mean, he was a disciple, but he said, you go back to town, you tell him what great things the Lord has done for you. And so part of our testimony, well, a big part of it, is showing people what the Lord is doing in our life. And uh, not going to be a whole lot taking place if, uh, if we don't ask for help. So verse 16, he says, and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, let's go all the way to the book of Psalms just a moment. And in the book of Psalms, this time, let's go to Psalm 46. And it's verse 1, one of my... Uh, favorite places to uh, see that I've certainly got some help here. So Psalm 46 and verse 1 here, he says, God is our refuge and strength. And then it says, a very present help in trouble. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got to be help in trouble, or it's kind of like we're just supposed to say that. I have a badge that says God is my help, but really all he is is a badge. No, it would be ridiculous. He has to be a very present help in trouble. Now, what were the two things that he mentioned that he said would be present? Well, number one, he said, was a refuge. A refuge, I, you know, I don't know what any of us might be facing whatsoever, but, I mean, I could name the things I'm up against, and the Bible says God is my refuge. So whatever that trouble would be, he would be a refuge for us. Uh, and then he says, and strength. Wow. Oh, oh. When you feel like you don't have the strength, maybe let's say to go on, or the the physical strength, maybe you feel sick or whatever. The word, the Bible is telling us here that God's a very present help. I mean, he didn't say he's going to. He said he's a very present help in time of trouble. So he's a refuge. And strength. Remember, the, the uh, Isaiah says, "They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength." And the book of of Ephesians, chapter six, says, "Be strong in the Lord." And so, uh, you know, it would just be a matter of, well, okay, I'm just going. I need to use my faith because He says He's right here. Well, nobody would doubt that the Lord is there because we've all been taught forever that God is wherever you are, and of course He is. Uh, where can I go from his presence? The psalm, the psalmist would say, <clears throat> Jesus said, I never leave you nor forsake you. So now let's add to that. Well, now as a refuge, that will never forsake you. And as strength, it'll never forsake you. And also a present help, it will never forsake you. Let's go a little further in Psalm 46. Look at verse 2. Therefore uh, will not we fear, uh, though the earth be removed, and the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. In other words, I'm not going to be afraid. I don't care if all these great things happen. And you know, that's exactly what Jesus said. And you don't have to turn there, but Luke 21, Jesus said, when you see all these things taking place, lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh. And he was saying, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm telling you, I'm putting those scriptures together correctly in Psalm 21. I mean, in uh, Luke 21, horrible things. 
because he said uh, men's hearts would fail them for fear. Uh, in other words, it wasn't talking about their physical heart, but they would just they would just lose all bearings in their life. You know, uh, just they, they 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 can't take it because the world's falling all apart. But Jesus said in Luke 21, not a hair of your head will perish. I mean, we have to get a hold of this, that our God is a very present help in time of trouble. Uh, if you will, uh, let's go to an earlier psalm. I want to show you one that I had run across uh, this week. And let's see, I believe it's Psalm, I'm getting over there too. Let's see, it's Psalm 9. Uh, I think it's 9. Let's see. Okay, we'll get here to it. It's, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. It's Psalm 11 is what it is. This is this is neat. The Psalm 11 probably take you all but 15 to 20 seconds to read it. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, there's not but seven verses. <clears throat> of course, you read a little slower, but I mean, you know you could get it within a minute at least. But anyway, Psalm 11, look at verse 1. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. So I'm not going to run away. Why do I need to run away? Because in the Lord I have put my trust. Look at verse 2. For for lo, or behold, the wicked bend their bow. In other words, they're fixing to, they're fixing to shoot the arrow. They're fixing to shoot a gun. They got their weapons ready. How they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the, fountain, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous say? Notice what he says. In other words, it's so bad, I guess you need to like a bird fly off. No. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold the eyelids. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that hates violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked shall rain snares and fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous loveth righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. Now, when he's talking about his countenance is on you, he's there to help you. And no wonder he says, I'm not going to fly away like a bird. I mean, why would I want to fly away? The Lord's there to help me. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's go back then to, uh, back to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, let's go over to... Uh, uh, let's go to Matthew's Gospel this time and in Matthew let's go to uh, chapter 7 and look over here at uh, we'll start at verse 7 now, what I like about this section of Matthew is uh, it's uh, it even says so on top of this Bible it's called the Sermon on the Mount I mean it looks like Jesus goes from one subject to another and that's one of my points here one of our favorite verses I think we hear even in America we'll hear people say don't judge me okay well they'll they'll pull in that from the Sermon on the Mount judge not lest you be judged okay but anyway uh, <clears throat> this um, you've heard the speck in your eye versus the log that's in your eye he just mentioned that in verses 5 and uh, uh, anyway uh, verse 
verse 3 and 4. Anyway, I want us to go right to verse 7. So Matthew 7 and verse 7, and look what he starts out saying. He says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find, <clears throat> and knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, someone might say he's only talking about salvation. You can ask God for salvation. You can knock for salvation, you know, and you can seek salvation, whatever. Well, that's a very shallow definition of this because if you will, look down here at verse 9 because Jesus is going to compare it with a father talking to his son. What if a man, well, I mean, what, or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Well, now we're talking bread. So by that, we could just say the only thing you could ever ask God for was bread. Well, that's ridiculous, you know. Verse, nine, verse 10 says, if he asks a fish. Now, now we're stuck. You can only ask for bread and fish. Well, that's not what he's talking about. It's anything. Now, watch how it opens up here in verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts. Now we know it's more than bread and fish. It's opened up to good gifts. So let's go back to verse 7 and let's get it. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. See, you're created in God's image, and we're called the children of God. We're his children. And if there's something on your heart that you need, you can't get a hold of it. Maybe something's not working. Maybe it's something that medical science can't fix. Maybe it's something that physically, you know, you're working on something and it can't be fixed, or it's a political issue. you got family people involved or whatever. Something just will not work then bring it to the Lord. Because if you can fix it, why don't you just fix it? Um, ask, and he says, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You reckon there's any faith right there we need to be using? Well, absolutely. Because he says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. And uh, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I'll hold your finger there and go over to that ninth chapter just a moment. Let me show you how important faith is here. In, in Matthew 9, look down here at verse uh, 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. There's that mercy again. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came unto him, verse 28 says, And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Wow. Okay, so their faith mattered, didn't it? Well, yeah, it mattered. Uh, let me show you another place where it matters here, too. Uh, let me get over here to it. Just one second. Look at the 14th chapter. In Matthew 14, look at verse 27. And straightway Jesus spake unto them, said, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. In other words, he said, be happy. He said, it's me, and don't be afraid. Well, he's walking on the water in the nighttime, and there's a storm out there. That would make me afraid, unless it was Jesus, and he said, hey, be happy. It's okay. Don't be afraid. Well, now I got something to deal with. <laughs> Jesus is out there. It's not a spook. It's Jesus, and now I have to change because Jesus told me, don't be afraid. Okay, I need to change that. Well, look what Peter did. Verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, then bid me or ask me to come to you on the water. 
Well, he said, come. Well, Peter recognized that voice, and he's like, oh, I'm going. He crawled out of the boat, we know, and whatever your mind's picture of this is, he walks across those lumpy ways. I wonder if they were still moving. I guess they had to be, but he's on top of them. He's going up and down, and he's walking to Jesus. But now watch what happens. And let's consider whether or not faith is important. So anyway, Peter was come down out of the ship, and he walked on the water to Jesus. He didn't swim. He walked. Now, verse 30. And when he saw the wind boisterous, so we don't use that word today, but we'll hear straight line winds, and we'll hear, if you've ever been on that water out there, I have several times, it can be rough out there. Even our news will say, a wind warning area lakes. Okay, well, that's what was going on. This was bad. And uh, he saw the wind really bad, and notice what happened next. He says, he was afraid. Now, didn't Jesus tell him, don't be afraid? Yeah. Now, he obviously, when he was walking to Jesus, was not afraid, but on the way somewhere as he was going, he got afraid. Let's see if it bothered him. Maybe it has no effect at all. Maybe Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about, and it doesn't matter. <clears throat> Uh-oh, my Bible says, and beginning to sink. <laughs> no. How could that happen with Jesus right there? Well, maybe Jesus was testing him. No, he wasn't. Jesus wasn't testing him, although he learned something, you know. I'm sure he told. I'm sure he told Peter. He told James and John. He says, "If y'all try that, don't you dare look at the wind. <laughs> you keep your eyes on Jesus, and you just keep telling yourself, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this.' So what happens? We know what happens. <clears throat> and beginning to sink. You know, I wouldn't think they would say beginning to sink if it was just a little bit at a time. Nor would I think. Oh, uh, what. Peter said here would have been so serious, but let's see what he says. It says he cried. I think that means he screamed. <laughs> he said, saying, Lord, save me. And he must have gotten close, or even if he wasn't close, Jesus was close enough to help him. I mean, Jesus is still on top of the water. And he doesn't holler back to the boat. He hollers to Jesus, and he says, save me. Now look what he says here in verse 31. And immediately, and this is what I think we need to get in our own prayer life, immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Now, look what he tells him right here. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? One translation says, how little you trust me. You know, why did you doubt? Wow. So let's go back here to Matthew 7 then. So I think it would be very important that we believe, even though I know it looks ridiculous. And it may seem like you maybe you might be one of those that used to laugh when you say, well, has it come to prayer? <laughs> it's kind of like, well, our last resort. Well, once we get involved with prayer, it's like, well, it's our first resort. Now, so ask and it shall be given you. Sounds like I should be using my faith because if, if he says it'll be given, well, then okay. Seek and you shall find. Wow. Knock and it shall be opened, Matthew 7, 7. Now, Matthew 7, 8. For everyone that asketh, receive us. Boy, I mean, just close the door right there. That's, it's a done deal. He said, everyone that asks. Wow. Boy, that just stretches my faith as far as it'll go right there. I just, it's like, okay, it's my responsibility. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Then he describes, or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Wow. So there it is on the table right there. He will give you. I mean, I mean, he's there to help you. Uh, let's go to Luke. This time, Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. And uh, <clears throat> look at verse 1. I've mentioned this several times, but I'm going to skip right to the part I want to get to in a moment. But Luke 18 and verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. Or in other words, he did this for a reason. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, he wasn't talking about sleeping. He was talking about when you pray, you need to believe. Then he tells this story about this widow that kept bugging this judge. And the judge was like, I ain't going to help you. Get out of here. And finally, he thought, I think I'll help myself. I'd get rid of this woman if I just help her. And he said, look, darling, what do you want? And she said, I, I need my, my enemies. Like to, he's like to kill me. And the judge got the bailiff and said, you go get the boys and go deal with that clown right now. I don't want to hear any more from this. You, whatever this woman wants, you get it done. And I mean it happened. And now we're going to pick up from right there. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. said. In other words, he said, man, I'm going to help her because she keeps bugging me. Verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with him? Yeah, it may look like nothing's happening, but don't give up. Look what he says in verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Wow. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. Now, what's faith got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. It sunk Peter, you know. It'll sink you and I. It would have sunk those blind men because Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they say, yeah. Okay. Well, if it was our turn, it would have been our question too. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Jesus talked to a sick guy one time, and he told him, he said, will you be made whole? And the guy was like, what? Yeah, he said, will you be made whole? That was the silliest question in the world. And even today, we can think about a spot or something that comes up on us, or, or we have a back pain or whatever, and we can begin to think, is this ever going to quit? And we need to think, praise the Lord. I'm going to bring this to the Lord. The Lord's going to help me. And see, like Psalm 103, look, look at Psalm 103, just to say, right in the middle of the Bible, find the book of Psalms and Psalm 103, and this is so personal here because it wasn't written for a crowd. When you read Psalm 103, it helps everybody in the crowd, but it belongs to you personally. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Notice who he was talking to, O my soul, kind of like you were feeling so bad, you didn't, <laughs> I mean, you know, Hey, I need to cheer up. I'm not about to make anybody happy with the expression I have on my face. I feel miserable today. I don't feel like I'm worth anything. And so David says in that situation, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And now he's going to tell himself, don't forget something. And that's the reason we, put, we write it down. We stick it on the refrigerator and whatever. We underline stuff. Look what he says. And forget not all... His benefits. Yeah, you have a right to this. Wow. Verse 3. Who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases. Now, we could stop there, but we don't, we're not, it's not limited to that. But look how great that is. I don't care what you ever do. God will forgive you. 
And then, and David knew that. He said he forgives all mine. He forgives all thine iniquities. Remember, he's talking to his own soul still. He, like he's looking in the mirror. Don't forget his benefits today. The Lord forgives you everything you've done wrong and will do wrong. And also, he heals all your diseases. Whatever comes on you, the Lord will heal it. He didn't say he has the power to. He said he heals you. I mean, this is all like it's, he just, he's just going to do it. Today's a new day, and we're going to be all right. Look at verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction? Boy, I mean, you may just have a little personal problem. It ain't like real bullets are coming or nothing, but you'll say, man, I'm just so doomed. Maybe you've got some financial situations or it's a uh, people problem, whatever, and it's like, well, I've had it now. Well, you, your life is redeemed from destruction. Now, interesting word redeemed means it was bought. It was paid for. Jesus has paid for to get you out of trouble. It. It just, just, I don't. I can't explain that. It's just so. It's just so. Remember the death angel that was supposed to uh, come over and kill the firstborn out of every family, and and Moses told everybody. Well, God told Moses, take a lamb. They killed the lamb. They ate the lamb, but they took the blood and they stuck it on the the lintel, the top of the door, and then on both of the side posts. And then when the death angel passed by, he saw that blood. And the firstborn child, uh, son, didn't die, okay? Well, that's what the word redemption is talking about there. When they saw the blood, and the blood of Jesus took care of us, and I mean, your life is redeemed from destruction. uh, Again, go a little further in verse 4, we'll stop. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Wow. Satisfies your mouth with good things, and so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. Praise God. I mean, look down at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. A lot of times we think, well, every day we just feel like God's mad. Why is it every day of our life we think God's mad at us when the Scripture says he's not? Look down at, this is great, look down at uh, verse uh, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pities his children, as the Lord pities them, no, uh, uh, so the Lord pities them that fear him. Wow. He knows uh, our frame, that we are dust, you know. Wow. It is great. I mean, he knows us. He's taking care of us, you know. For uh, as man his days are as grass and flower of the field, so it flourishes. The wind passes over it and it's gone. And the place thereof <clears throat> shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his, chi- and his righteousness unto his children's children. Wow. So in other words, God will take care of you. He really will. All these promises, they're all yours. I mean, he really is our help. 